Welcome once again to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman, alongside Joel Johnson, certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel has been published in Forbes and the Wall Street Journal. He's the host of Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sundland in Hartford, also Saturday at 7 a.m. in Boston on WCBV. He's been an analyst for Fox Business, and he's the author of six of his own books, including the money map, and forced to retire. Joel, I just mentioned that you've been published in Forbes, and there was an interesting article in Forbes, not written by you, but by somebody else recently, talking about the top 1% of wealthy people in the world. Very interesting breakdown. How much money would you need to be in the top 1% in the world? The answer, you might find a little bit surprising. If you're living in America and you have a net worth of $871,000 or more, you're in the top 1%. If you have a net worth of just $93,000, that puts you in the top 10% in the world. So how, Joel, if at all, should this change the way we view our wealth and our money? Well, the first thing I'd say is it's $871,000 to be in the top 1%. That's pretty amazing to me. I think most people in America, when they think of the top 1%, because keep in mind, 871 is total net worth. That includes the value of her house. I think if you go down on, you know, let's say the Occupy Wall Street folks and you ask them, well, what, what's the top 1%? What, what's this 1% you're angry about? It would probably be $2 million, $3 million, $4 million net worth. So 871 is is pretty low, I think, compared to what most people think, especially those people that resent uh, the successful. On the other hand, that's in all of the world. Pretty interesting to think that in all of the world, most people certainly in Connecticut listening to me right now that are over 55 years old would be in the top 1% in the world. And then that $93,000 net worth, and keep in mind, folks, this is not income. This is net worth. 93000 puts you in the top 10% in the world. So I think it really puts things into perspective. Recently, I was out in California, and uh, a person I was introduced to by my father uh, runs a organization called the Children's Hunger Fund, and I went out to something out there called the Poverty Encounter. They've set up, they've actually had somebody that's on their board that works at Disney uh, or worked at Disney come out and set up this entire virtual tour that you go through. It takes about two hours to go through it, and you're walking through different sets of, of actual other countries exactly the way they are. So you walk through a dump, and you see these poor children that have to live in this dump, and then you go to uh, Haiti, and you see um, the earthquake damage that still hasn't been repaired, and you know how children just want to go to school, and, um, and their parents both have to work, and sometimes kids have to work at the age eight and nine, and I think it really puts things in perspective when we hear um, these numbers and realize we're in the top 1%. It, it certainly, for me, not only puts things in perspective, but it, it creates a lot of gratitude and, and, for me, a feeling that I want to help folks um, that certainly are not as fortunate as we are. Very interesting when you look at it in those terms and really gives you some perspective. Like you said, you may not feel rich, but compared to the rest of the world, it really is apples and oranges. All right, so let's talk, Joel, because we're near the end of the year. And you say, well, we're not that close to the end of the year. Well, but think about all the things that are going to take up your time between now and December 31st. Uh, Now is the time to really be looking at end of year planning, things you need to do financially before the end of the year, because it will be here before you know it. So thing number one to consider is 
max out retirement contributions if you can, if you're still working, and assuming that makes sense with your tax plan. Well, right. I mean, anytime people can put money into their retirement plan. Now, for older folks that are getting closer to retirement, I say older folks, I include myself, I'm 56, but if you're getting closer to retirement, you may want to max out the Roth side of your retirement plan. We're not really talking about Roth versus traditional here. We're just simply saying max out your retirement plan. Put the most you're able to put into your retirement plan from a deferral standpoint. Um, If you are over 50 years old, that's $24,500 for 2018. $24,500 you can actually defer if you're over 50 years old. So try to max it out. If you're over 50 years old, it's unlikely that you're going to need that money um, before you retire. And uh, you're always better off saving absolutely as much money as you can. So, And even if you're younger, if you're starting out in life, like my son, who's 28 years old, who works up in Boston, you know, he should be trying to max out his retirement plan. He does a Roth and he doesn't have it through his company. So he's got the individual limitation of doing a Roth IRA, but he should be trying to max that out. And I always make sure about this time of year, Brandon, have you maxed out your Roth IRA? So that's one thing to think about. Another thing before the end of the year, if you're over 70 and a half, got to take those RMDs. Yeah. If you do not take your RMD or you don't take the right amount out, the amount that you don't take out that you should have, there's a 50% penalty on that. So let's say you're supposed to take out 25000 for your required minimum distribution and you only take out twenty. Well, you're going to have to take out the other five and you're going to have to pay $2,500 in penalty because you did not take out that 5000 So make sure that you take out your required minimum distributions. For many of our clients with the custodians that they're at, whether it's Pacific Life or Fidelity or Vanguard, we have those custodians just put it on automatic. That way a mistake cannot be made. Now, sometimes that's not the right thing to do. If you have a number of different accounts and sometimes people want to take it out of just one account or we recommend they only take it out of one account and leave the other accounts alone, but it's always safer to do something on an automatic basis so you don't make that costly mistake. Tax loss harvesting is a fancy term that we sometimes throw around in the financial world. Joe, what is tax loss harvesting and why is that important to think about at this time of year? Well, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's a freebie, if you will. So, And I just did this last week. I had a number of positions in my personal account, a number of ETFs and individual stocks that that I was down in. And I just decided, look, I'm going to sell these stocks. I can either buy them back after 30 days or I can buy something else, but I'm capturing that loss so that it's a deduction on my return because I've had a lot of gains this year. I've taken a lot of profits this year and I want to make sure that I pay taxes on as little of those profits as possible so I can take losses to offset those profits. Or even if you don't have profits or you don't sell any of your profits, you want to at least take uh, the deductions you can or the losses that you can because if you can't use them this year, you can always carry them forward. So it's just managing a portfolio in a very tax-efficient way. We're talking about things you need to consider before the end of the year as it relates to your financial planning. This is Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. The next thing on the list, Joel, is evaluating your options for tax-deductible charitable contributions. However, note that this is different from years past in that your standard deduction is higher on your taxes. So there are a lot of people who may not be making the charitable contributions that they've made in the past. Well, that's correct. The standard deductions are higher. So under the new tax bill that was passed earlier this year through Congress, especially if you're a mo- you have a modest income, you got a tax cut. Now, some of us that are in high tax states, 
lost some of our deduction in those high-tax states, um, which kind of creates a little bit of a competition between the states. You know, it kind of gives us the incentive to maybe, especially when we retire, move to lower-tax states. But that's a whole other political issue or discussion to have. Um, the bottom line is that if you itemize your deductions on your tax return, now is the time to make those tax-deductible charitable contributions. Uh, if you have charities, you I just mentioned Children's Hunger Fund out on the West Coast. Uh, dearly believe in that charity and the work that they're doing. And I will probably make another tax-deductible contribution to that charity before the end of the year. Um, also, you can do something called a donor-advised fund. Donor-advised fund is when you want to make a large contribution, but you don't want it all to go to charity this year. You can set up a donor-advised account at Fidelity, uh, for instance, the custodian that we use. And let's say you put $100,000 into that donor-advised fund. You get a $100,000 tax deduction today or this year. And then over the years, you can recommend or advise Fidelity to make a contribution from that account to various charities that you care about. Technically, you don't 100% control where Fidelity sends that money. Um, they have to send it to a charity, but you can advise or suggest, and it's a great tool. So any kind of charitable, and obviously call me if you have any questions on that. It gets a little detailed, and I went through it quite quickly, but if you have any charitable inclination whatsoever, make those charitable contributions before the end of the year. Last thing, Joel, is consider a Roth conversion. Is that something that's going to make sense for you at this time of year? Well, and again, we have some great analysis software where we can take your individual situation, your unique situation, because everybody's unique, and uh, I'll come back to that in a minute, but we can run your situation through a software program that shows us exactly what a Roth conversion would cost you, because remember, when you move money from your taxable bucket over to your tax-free bucket, traditional retirement plan to Roth retirement plan, there's a cost, which is the taxes you have to pay. But now the money in that Roth is tax-free forever. That's why it's so exciting. That's why I have a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k, because I want that tax-free bucket when I retire. Uh, but we don't know if you should make that conversion or not. So we can run your situation, your unique situation, through our calculator, and it'll tell you exactly what the tax cost is. And then based on a certain assumption on a rate of return and how long you can leave the money alone for, it'll show your break-even point. So if you need the money next year, it might not make any sense, but if you need the money 10 or 12 years from now, or if the money's not even for you, if you want to pass it on to kids or grandkids, it could be a huge, huge win to pay some taxes now on a small amount so you don't have to pay taxes later on a larger amount. With that said, I want you to have the opportunity to get my book, Forced to Retire. We haven't talked about retirement too much so far today. We'll get to it a little bit later. But I have a book called Forced to Retire, and these are the seven decisions you need to make now if you found out that you're going to need to retire earlier than you thought. And maybe it's not even retirement. Maybe it's a layoff. Uh, maybe you've been uh, given an early retirement offer at work and you're going to retire two or three years before you thought you were going to and you're trying to analyze that offer. My book, Forced to Retire, answers those questions. It gives you the way to think, the way to approach your potentially early retirement. Things like, when should I take Social Security? Should I take my pension now or should I wait? Should I roll my cash balance pension over to an individual retirement account? And what should I do with my 401k? All of those questions are answered in Forced to Retire. So if you call now, 1-800-705-1232, we'll send you out a copy of, again, my book, Forced to Retire. You can even text your first and last name to one 800 705 
1-2-3-2. Text your first and last name and just put in there the word book and we'll know that you want a copy of the book. We'll get in touch with you next week and we will make sure we mail out a physical copy. We're not going to send you an ebook because I know a lot of those don't get read. We'll send you a physical copy of, again, my book, Forced to Retire. I think you'll find it valuable. And even if it's not for you, if it's for a friend, that's okay. Get a copy of the book. It's free. And I think you'll be glad you got it. Forced to Retire. Great opportunity. And again, the number to call or text if you'd like to get your hands on that book is 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation. Just tell us you'd like a copy of Forced to Retire. And we'll make sure to get that book in your hands. Again, 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, we get a lot of questions from time to time from folks about Dave Ramsey. And, you know, Dave Ramsey says this on his show, is that what I should do? And I know a lot of people have been through his class, Financial Peace University, or maybe Legacy Journey, done one of those things, maybe at their church or somewhere else. I think you had a similar class going on at your church recently. What's your take on on Dave's program and the class that you've seen people go through? Well, they had it at my church, like you said. I think that most of the programs are taught in churches around the country. Um, it's not a religious program, but it's uh, it's a great, great program. And he, he originally rolled it out to churches to be facilitated churches. And, you know, what his goal was here was to keep young people to get from getting into problems with debt. And if you get into debt, how to get out of debt quickly. And it's just, I think it's great common sense advice. Uh, my friend Dan facilitated it at our church. We had about, oh, 45 people go through it. I sat in on a couple classes and I thought it was just fantastic. In fact, I think everybody that's 30 years or younger, maybe even 40 years or younger, uh, should go through that Dave Ramsey course. And I think you can probably, I don't know, go on DaveRamsey.com and, and figure out a way to get a copy of the course. But going through the course, it's pretty amazing because you do workshops with other people or little discussion groups with other people there. But it really gives you a good, good foundation on debt and um and budgeting and things like that. And then if you get into trouble with debt, how to get out. And it's just, it's also just common sense things like, you know, don't overuse credit cards. Don't finance a car every two or three years. Uh, just things like that, how mortgages work. And so I think it's great. Um, you know, I think if you're our typical clientele, which is either retired or getting close to retirement, uh, they've probably worked through all those things. But for young people, it's just absolutely fantastic. And I, I would recommend it. And I think the one we did was financial peace. University, just really, really good quality. I ordered the the materials and it was just first class. So my recommendation is to it. Dave says some interesting things that I completely disagree with about investments, and he talks about a mutual fund that you can count on twelve percent over the long run, which which doesn't exist out there. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He's done a great job in helping people deal with poor financial decisions they've made and fixing them, or staying away from those poor decisions in the first place. There's really no substitute for being organized and having a plan and, quite frankly, just taking some of the fear out of the idea of investing. That's what a lot of those uh, fundamental learning a lot of those fundamentals helps you do is makes you less afraid of what you need to be doing moving forward. And speaking of fear, Joel, let's actually talk about some of the biggest financial fears that we see people having, you know, we'll poll listeners and clients and things like that from time to time, just to get a feel for what are the things that you're afraid of. And inevitably, time after time, the number one fear is running out of money before we die. No matter how we ask the question, 
when it comes to retirees and pre-retirees, that is always fear number one. That is always fear number one, and it's not necessarily always stated that way. Some people say, well, will I be able to afford the things I want to as I get older, or um, will I be able to maintain my lifestyle? But it always has to do with you know, the fact that once somebody stops working, they don't have that earned income anymore. They don't have that cash flow coming into the house from their labor, and so they've got to create additional cash flow from their investments, from their savings, from Social Security and from pensions. And that is a huge fear, running out of money before before we die. And here's the thing. It's because we're living longer, right? I mean, when my grandfather retired, his life expectancy was probably only five to seven years in retirement. Well, now it's potentially 30 years when we run our income analysis for clients, that one you've heard me talk about over and over again on this program that we offer to do for you for free. That income analysis, we're now running it for people to live into their 90s, and we want to make sure people are not going to run out of money preferably uh, past age 100, but definitely not up until age 95. And then we adjust our financial models for that. And why do we do that? It's because this is the number one fear that people have, whether stated or not. This is really, really important that you know that you're not going to run out of money before you die. And also, if you haven't retired yet, it'll give you comfort in knowing when you can retire. Some people find out they have to work an extra two or three years before they uh, retire. They had planned to retire a little earlier, and you know that's a little bit of bad news for them. But at least they're getting bad news now instead of when they're in their 80s. Other people, they think they have to work another three, four, or five years, and they're actually okay right now. They could retire right now. So, getting the income analysis is powerful. It'll help you address that question of should I be concerned of running out of money before I die. And fear number two is always close on the heels of that. Fear number one, running out of money. But fear number two, always right behind it. Or, you know, we don't want to have to blow through our entire nest egg for our nursing home care. That's always the second biggest fear. Correct. And just going back to the comment I made earlier, we're living longer. Because we're living longer, because we're being kept alive longer by better medical care, better understanding about health and exercise and nutrition, and quite frankly, pharmaceuticals that are so much better than they were 20 years ago treating uh, certain things like heart disease and even cancer, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, all those kind of things that are being treated now in a way that's a little more benign than it used to be. It's not so uh, troubling to the rest of your system. And so people can live an awfully long time because of the good, positive use of, of different drugs out there, which means there's a higher probability of I don't know, a stroke or just some dementia is, is really the big one, dementia and Alzheimer's disease. So this is a huge for fear, blowing through an entire nest egg or enough of it to hurt your spouse. So if I go in a nursing home, you know, it, I don't know the difference. I'm in the nursing home. My lifestyle doesn't change from one nursing home to the other for the most part. But Wendy is watching that nest egg be spent down. And if we don't have adequate insurance or we don't have enough money to self-insure, She's probably thinking about the kids and the grandkids and, and us not being able to leave any money to them. This next fear is interesting because it seems like it should be something you're in control of, but most people just don't know enough about it to be sure they're making the right decisions. And that fear is paying more taxes than we have to pay. Yeah, and this one is the one that gets into, it's interesting, when people come in and they you know, they get worked up, they get worked up a lot of times about politics, which we just try not to talk about, um, but then taxes. Taxes are a big thing, and especially up here in Massachusetts or Connecticut, people are moving south to pay less in taxes. And 
I think it's important as you go into retirement, I know it's important as you go into retirement, that you minimize your taxes over your lifetime. That might mean you pay a little bit more this year. It's the lifetime that we're planning for taxes, uh, not just this year or next year. We're not just deferring whenever we can, because sometimes it's better, like in a Roth conversion, to pay a little more taxes today so that you pay a lot less in the future. So it's really important that you have a tax plan along with that income plan that we talked about. An overall financial plan should include at least a discussion on minimizing taxes. We talked about uh, tax loss harvesting in a portfolio so that we take advantage of deductions um, without really getting hurt And so tax planning is very, very important. And that is a very legitimate fear that people are going to pay more than they need to in taxes. And of course, you never get that money back. This is another interesting one. You already referenced it when you were talking about the nursing home care. Uh, But the next fear on our list is not having anything left to pass on to the kids and grandkids. Yeah, and I was actually just thinking about this uh, this last week. I was I was at the gym and I came out of the gym and I was putting my gym bag uh, in the back of my car. I shut the trunk and I saw a uh, younger man than me uh, walking into the gym with his uh, two little kids. And you know, immediately I thought about what it's like now for Wendy and I, where we're financially secure, but you know, we're thinking about kids and maybe someday grandkids and leaving money behind to them. And, and we have a lot of clients that say, I want to leave something to my kids and my grandkids. I want to help them get a start. I'm worried that they don't have the opportunities that I had when I was younger. And am I going to be able to do that? And there is a little bit of a fear. A lot of times, I hate to stereotype here, but a lot of times it's the mom that's feeling more that way than the father of those kids. And um, it doesn't mean the father's irresponsible. It just means you know he's thinking differently. But typically, our female clients that have children are much more driven to leave something behind to pass on to those kids. And that is something that needs to be addressed. Part of that income plan will show how much money is left over. And if you don't like the amount that's left over at your life expectancy, then we can make adjustments now instead of trying to make them later when it's probably more painful to make adjustments. So we've talked about a number of subjects. We talked about financial fears. We've talked about uh, tools out there that are available for budgeting, for learning. Um, And this typically be, if you're listening to this program, it would be your children, uh, keeping them out of debt. Year-end planning, very, very important. These are all the things that we can answer on an individual basis if you come in and visit with us. Uh, On the radio, obviously, we're talking about just general concepts. On my podcast, general concepts around retirement. We can't customize our answers for you. We can customize our answers for you and your unique situation when you come in and visit with us. And when you come in and visit with us, we give you that money map. It's your personal financial plan that addresses a retirement income analysis. Are you going to have enough money to maintain your lifestyle for the rest of your life? A stress test on your portfolio with all that's going on in the market these days, you need to make sure you're not taking more risk than you think you are. And you probably need to take some gains that you've had over the last few years off the table and protect them from a market downturn while still getting a reasonable rate of return if the market continues to go up. And so those are parts of the money map, but obviously a a big part of that conversation we have when you come in and visit with us is all of the things we just talked about, what are you worried about? What's your individual situation? Because everybody's situation is different. And the key here is this, and it's really, really simple. You shouldn't make investment decisions without a plan, without a plan that covers longevity risk, without a plan that covers taxes, without a plan that covers losing assets to a nursing home stay. We want to do that for you, but it all starts with the Money Map Retirement Review. So for the next 
15 minutes. If you call in the next 15 minutes, we'll set up a time for you to come into the office and get your personal money map. You come in and you sit down with us. It's a very relaxed appointment. There's no pressure. We have a cup of coffee with you. We have a conversation. And then we'll prepare for you your customized money map. Even if you never plan to become a client, that's okay. You'll want to get your money map. 1-800-705-1232. Again, that's 1-800-705-1232. If you call in the next 15 minutes, we'll set up a time for you to come in and get your complimentary consultation and we'll give you your money map. You can also text your first and last name to that number, 800-705-1232. 800-705-1232. Call or text, whichever is better for you. Just be sure to include your first and last name if you're texting, 800-705-1232. Get your money map retirement review. Take the fear out of your financial situation. Get some clarity on where you stand and determine what you need your next steps to be. 800 800- That's 800-705-1232. That's all we have time for this week on Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Thanks so much for tuning in. For Joel Johnson and everybody else at Johnson Brunetti, I'm John Stillman, and we'll talk with you next week right here, same time, same place. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents in all appropriate jurisdictions.